Good evening. And hello, and welcome to Hacks on Drac, a podcast examining the legacy of Bram Stoker's iconic vampire novel, Dracula. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm Chris. And uh, today, this is one of prop- maybe two of our final episodes. This is kind of the epilogue to our main discussion, I guess, these these episodes. Yeah. Uh, because for those of you who don't know, uh, if you're just coming on at the, the last episode or two, Hacks on Drac, our podcast, is about uh, examining the legacy of Dracula. We've kind of gone through the book Dracula. We've been through many, many film adaptations, TV movies. Too many. Too many, <laughs> to the point where they're all blurring together into our heads and we're going insane slowly. It's but- also been like five months i think we've been, it's, on we've been working on this a really long time like I, I don't know if it'll come off to the podcast listener but we've been we've been living with this for a long time and researching and watching movies and things but uh but all of our main discussion for this podcast has been just about the the original dracula story that's been what all of our movies been you know like nosferatu you know bella lugosi dracula christopher lee dracula but mm-hmm. all the movies we've talked about have been adaptations of that original bram stoker story in, in one way or another because the the thing that kind of interests us the most about that is kind of the com- the combining of characters the the way it's changed up here and there right. a lot of transferring of certain characters roles to others and yeah and it's bizarre it's it's weird seeing what the choices are in each one. Oh, That's for, been, for uh, sure yeah yeah and some of them do it really well, combining people together. Some not quite so much. Yeah. Uh, but but that's what kind of interested us about mainly looking at just the adaptations of the Dracula story. But as this is kind of an examination of Dracula and pop culture in general, we also kind of want to talk about how he spins off into other things. Because as we talked about, like uh, Dracula, when he was first started being put on film and things, he was... Mm still protected, you know, intellectual property of Bram Stoker's estate and Bram Stoker's wife, who didn't very much like that he wrote novels, but really, really liked that sweet, sweet Dracula money, uh, chased down and, you know, and stopped people from making kind of unofficial adaptations of Dracula, which is, you know, how Nosferatu. You think he would have protected, he would have protected Dracula a little bit better, like knowing that he wasn't in like the best marriage, you know? I like I I guess so but like he, but I mean but he but like as we talked about Dracula when it came out wasn't like the hugest success like it it did true, yeah. fine but like when you know when Bram Stoker died he didn't have like a ton of money right. in fact like I think like right before he died he applied for some kind of like writing fellowship or something like he was trying like desperately hard to get like extra money to just keep writing so he probably just didn't care enough to or you know just didn't think it would it would matter but I mean I guess he also you know wanted his wife to be happy because i mean like i guess they their marriage worked you know yeah yeah for, for what so. it's worth it was convenient which if you, if you want to know more about the stoker's marriage you should go back and listen to our first episode of hacks on drac where we talk a lot about that and how that leads into some of the themes in dracula that get yeah. kind of interesting but yeah so we've been i don't even remember where i was going before that whole rant we we've been mainly talking about the the regular dracula story though but he used to be protected property, and then he became public domain, and so this character... What year did that happen? So Dracula entered the public domain. This is what I'm reading offline. Uh, in the United Kingdom, the work was protected for 50 years beyond Stoker's death in 1912, as dictated by law at the time, meaning that the book fully entered the public domain in 1962. Oh, okay. 
So we, well after sense. the Bela Lugosi one, which they, they got permission from Stoker to do both the play and the Bela Lugosi movie. Mm-hmm. But then once he entered the public domain, he was just fair game and people just used him in yeah, everything. That's like, that's why the Hammer movies like just went apeshit. That's why they just went apeshit with yeah. him. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of why I think he's so prevalent in our pop cultural knowledge, because even though these adaptations are, are very good and, you know, and they, you know, and Dracula is a good story. I think part of why he's kind of embedded in our cultural DNA is because he was just a character that's free to use for a lot of people and just anyone can make a movie about him yeah and he's well known enough that people you know you don't have to explain Dracula to people and so you know and that's that you know so you get him in like the monster squad and like and stuff like that it's kind of surprising that there's not like new Draculas coming out every single year right like it's well I'm I'm sure there are but they're just so bad and so like awful they're you know like if you search Dracula just on on Amazon there's like a ton of things that pop up I was watching some random like British adaptation earlier today yeah, it's yeah, there's there's so much. So on today's episode, we're not going to talk about regular Dracula movies. We're going to talk about some of our favorite kind of weird spin-offs and Dracula sequels. Oh yes. And uh other assorted Dracula media. But we're going to spend we a lot haven't. of time on Dracula 2000. We're going to spend the most time on Dracula <laughs> 2000. It's it's fascinating to us in a, in a number of ways. Uh, that's probably like when I make the, the banner image for this episode, it's probably going to be a picture of Gerard Butler shirtless with his, his Scott Stapp hair. God, from we that. watched, we watched that a few months back, but, um, I remember it being like an hour into the movie before I realized that that's who that was. That it was yeah. Gerard it Butler. does not look like him at yeah. all. He it's is pre 300. He's kind yeah, of looked like he should have been like in a romantic comedy. Yeah, he's kind of got like the he, he, he kind of has like a Heath Ledger kind of like mm-hmm. from like Ten Things I Hate About You era Heath Ledgerness to him. He's got the he's long, got like the longer hair, the long kind of permy kind of yeah. Romney looking hair, Ugh. and he's just wearing an open <laughs> duster with no shirt on underneath the whole movie. Uh, so we're going to talk about that the most, but uh, but also in these two wrap-up episodes, we're also going to kind of give our general thoughts now that we've kind of been living with Dracula for a while. We've done this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought by the end of this podcast, I'd feel more like an expert about Dracula. I'm not so sure that I am. No. We'll, we'll get into that, I guess, later well, in the it's, episode. It's also, it's hard when you can, I mean, even though we've been doing this for a while, like, it's hard to condense, like, that much like watch everything like in such a saturated amount of time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then and try to keep everything straight. Yeah. Like I feel between like if, adaptations. If we, you know, we're like studying this for like 10 years, then we would be experts. But That's true. Yeah. There's, there's like legit like horror historians out here. That's why this, this podcast is called hacks on drag. That's why it's not called uh, two very studious young men uh, yeah. pour through the, the Stoker mythos we're and definitely aren't, you know, inebriated during their recordings. So we're Dracula enthusiasts. And that's about it. And enthusiast is is the key word, yeah. yeah. But but I we bet... we try really hard to be factual. But you know, it's... I wonder if there are any like Bram Stoker historians who are listening to this and just wanting to correct every single thing that we say because <laughs> we get so much wrong. Oh, I'm 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 sure we are. Yeah, yeah. If any Stoker historians are listening and want to like send us like a, a message, know. please let us. We're, we're trying. We do try really hard. Or if, you know, if you want to invite us to like your your college or whatever and have a Q and A or you chastise us on stage for you know being very very wrong, uh, I'm game. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thank you.
So yeah, so that's that's today's episode, is, is weird Dracula spinoffs and our wrap-up thoughts. So I guess we should start off by talking, let's let's kind of save Dracula 2000 for a little later because that's one that I kind of want to go through with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Um, and there's kind of some that you've seen that I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess we should start by talking about Blackula because we, we just watched that. Yes. Or, or just attempted to watch it. Yeah, we didn't get all the way through. <laughs> we got pretty far, but it's it's pretty, it's a hard watch. Yeah, and it's also weird that it's clearly like, trying to replicate the story of Dracula, but like Dracula is actually in it at the very beginning. Yeah. So it's kind of just like a, a history repeats itself sort of thing. But, yeah, um, yeah. Like it's, in th- that's a weird kind of commonality. That's going to be in, in at least two of our adaptations tonight is that they're supposed to be like a, like a Dracula alternate take, but they also exist in the same universe as Dracula. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's like kind of like soft reboot on accident. Right. Kind right, of. right. Because, yeah, so Blackula, who's played by... Who's the actor that plays uh, Blackula? William Marshall, who, for those of you who don't know, he also played the King of Cartoons on Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, boy. So when you watch Pee-wee's Playhouse and he shows up... That's right. ...in his, right. his cheap-looking crown that looks like he got it from the Hobby Lobby, just know that that's Blackula. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, so he, at the very beginning, is talking to who you find out is Dracula... And it, yeah, it just starts in like Transylvania in the 1700s, right? Yeah. Which is way, way longer ago than when Dracula was actually supposed to take place. But that's neither here nor there because this is a film called Blackula and I don't think they were going for historical accuracy. Yeah. I, although I do like the idea of it being that far ahead of the actual Dracula story that this is just like a part of Dracula's story that we've never heard before. Yeah, this is just a <laughs> prologue to Dracula. This, yeah. is, this is like canon. Like he, yeah, like he, you know... He, he's like an African prince or something, right? The, yeah, so he's like an African... Well, I think they explain it later in the movie. And again, we kind of didn't pay a lot of attention as this went on because it was very boring. But like he was going there to protest like slave trading. Oh, right, right, right. Or something like that. That's what it was. And he was there talking to uh, who we find out is Dracula, who's dressed like Cap'n Crunch at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> That's a weird commonality in Blackula is that like every single scene, it looks like everyone in the scene is dressed from a different movie. Yeah. Like, because at the beginning, Blackula's there, and he's wearing just kind of like a regular tuxedo. This is well, this is before he becomes Blackula. The the right. man who will become Blackula <laughs> is wearing like a like a black tuxedo and kind of like an Austin Powers shirt underneath. And his wife has like total seventies makeup. And yeah, his wife has like total seventies makeup, and she's wearing kind of like she looks like she's wearing kind of like a Wakandan costume. Yeah, almost yeah. a lot it's of like, jewelry and flash and kind of yeah, like uh, like maybe glow sticks around her neck or something. <laughs> And then, and then, of course, Dracula looks like Cap'n Crunch. So, like, everyone is, like, dressed because he has, like, you know, like an old naval kind yeah. of coat on. And he's yeah, kind of yeah. got, like, the white hair and, like, a like a ponytail or something, maybe. Yeah, and it was also really confusing because he curses. He says, I'll give you. It's, like, something along the lines yeah. of, I'll give you. I curse you with my name. And then he calls him Blackula. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, so the whole story is that, yeah, like, Blackula's there talking to him. And he's saying that, yeah, like, slavery's bad. He's, like, trying to talk to Dracula about that. And Dracula's like, I don't think slavery's bad. So so we establish firmly at the beginning of the movie that Dracula's racist. Yes. Uh, Dracula looks like Cap'n Crunch, and he's racist. And, he, and then he starts talking about how he wants to buy... Uh, pre-Blackula's wife who's there uh-huh. and then Blackula's like no you can't have my wife like that's, that's not cool and so then uh, Dracula takes Blackula down to his basement throws him in a coffin and uh-huh. then places a curse on him that he'll hunger for blood for all eternity and right. then he'll have to carry Dracula's name for spiting him and then but he puts then a padlock on it and then he puts a padlock on it 
but yeah, but but as you were saying, yeah, he curses him with his name, but then he says out loud, he's like, I curse you with your name. You shall forever be known as Blackula. <laughs> and then, you know, like the title Blackula flashes up on the screen. Yeah. But it's like, it's weird because he, he curses him with his name, but his name's not Blackula, no. it's, it's Dracula. <laughs> But but we also firmly established that Dracula is a racist. So is that just like how he is with like? Yeah, he's just like oh, you know, black rhymes with Drac. Uh, so I'm gonna call him. Yeah, I think he does like a racist thing. It's yeah, like a slur. Like, like like Dracula, more like Blackula. Like like if he meets like any other African American people who remind him of like people he also knows in his life, would he also just give them like a weird like punny like? Yeah. Like if he met like an African American person who became like his new Renfield, would he just call them like Blackfield? Yeah. Or something Blackfield. like it's. Uh, it's a very weird movie. This is a, we Black should Helsing. say this. This is for those that don't know. Blackula is a black exploitation film, which was a, a craze in the seventies, early seventies. Yeah, seventy two. At this one, where it's you know like it's you know it's got like people with like the big afros and bell bottoms and <laughs> and like it's all yeah. And it's the sound is absolutely it's, horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Yeah, it looks like it's made for like ten dollars. It's the most politically incorrect thing you'll you'll ever watch. We're I'm not defending anything that happened in this movie. When we describe the things that are happening, just know that we're literally just describing <laughs> what yeah. happens in this movie. Not an endorsement. Yeah, and the weirdest thing is like he doesn't like nail the coffin shut, right? He just puts a padlock on but, it. But you don't even see him put the padlock on it. No. So like, where, and also, where would he have gotten a padlock in 1780? But so then... Yeah, I don't know. The way Blackula gets out is like too... Yeah, so we, we jump yeah. forward to the 70s. So right. like, this takes place in the 1700s. We jump forward to the 70s. There are, are two college students right. or, or something who, who are going to do a prank where they're going to replace a bed in one of their rooms with a coffin. Right. And they just go down into a basement, and there's just a coffin it's down a coffin there. It's Blackula's coffin, it. and it has a padlock on it. And they just take the padlock <laughs> off it, and then Blackula just opens it, and he gets out, and he, and he eats their necks, and he throws them into barrels. And that's how Black like Blackula was just waiting on a college student to just open a just simple padlock. Open a padlock. That was, yeah. that was all he needed, and then he just got out. Like he just didn't bother to now, try. Let's be real. Dracula could have knocked that padlock off. Oh, for sure. It really doesn't make any sense. But also, Dracula is a terrible racist, so we should <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But it, then from there, so then yeah, then he it kind of follows the plot of Dracula from there. Does it? Well, <laughs> the whole thing with like, so he finds his he finds like what he believes to be his wife. Yes, that is a thing that happens, which we were talking about this during the screening, that that's, yeah, something that kind of is not from the book, but has been in several adaptations, Mm -hmm. is the thread where, like, either Jonathan Harker or or Lucy or one of the women, like, reminds Dracula of, like, you know, his love that he lost. And And in this case, it's, we think it's the same actress who played her at the beginning. I I do believe it's the same actress, yeah. Yeah, Vanetta McGee. But he doesn't really, like, go about trying to woo her in a very kind of Dracula way. He kind of just, like, shows up in her apartment, like, these, like, big flat shots that mm-hmm. have, like, the wrong music. And, yeah. And he kind of walks in, and it looks like a Three's Company episode. And Yeah. Like, the, I, I cannot emphasize how little money it looks like this film was made for. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, like, a couple shots, you know, that, like, are supposed to take place at, like, a crime lab. And it's clearly, like, a like a dentist's lab or something. and. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like the morgue looks like it's like someone's apartment. And whenever Blackula's <laughs> not in it, it's really boring. It's so boring. Because when he's in it, it's actually pretty funny. Like he says like hilarious he, shit. He is, a, he is a charismatic fellow, yeah. uh, Blackula. Yeah, but when he's not on the screen, it, it's like it becomes like a police movie sometimes. Yeah. Where there's just like scenes that are in like police offices and you hear like, you know, like the typewriters in the background and like <laughs> smoking, you know, and they're just like, you know, it's like a Dragnet episode and you're just like, 
I, like I'm just imagining people going to go see this in like a drive through wanting like a good like scary movie you know to like yeah. see with their with their girl on a Friday night you know or you know and, and then they just have to sit through this boring shit for like you know, it's actually, an hour and it, a half it says here it's one of the highest grossing films of 1972 and that must have been like a hard year like yeah. I it must have just not had a lot to work with <laughs> Because, wow. I also see here that the uh, production studio held special <laughs> promotional screenings where anyone wearing a flowing cat cape would receive free admission. Interesting. Yeah. I can't imagine how many people actually showed up with a flowing cape to see Blackula. Yeah, I, I don't either. But his cape is a big part of the movie, as we see. Like, he breaks out of his coffin. Yeah, I like his cape in this. And thing. he, like, and he beats up everyone. And then there's, like, a big extended shot where he, like, picks his cape up. And he, like, opens it and he puts it around <laughs> his neck. It's like, it's like Blackula Begins. It's like the scene where, like, <laughs> where, where he becomes the knight, you know? Yeah. There was also Scream, Blackula Scream. Which we did which not is, watch. Yeah, that's the sequel to this. Is it the same guy? Yeah. It, it is, is the same actor, yeah. Um, yeah, and then we were discussing there's also uh, Blackenstein, which came out a year after <laughs> after this. Completely unrelated movie. Completely unrelated. But, but uh, obviously trying to ca- cash in on the same craze, though. But uh, not as highly regarded. No. Based on the fact that I only learned about it uh, 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Blackenstein, also known as Black Frankenstein. So. Yeah. It was, well, Bla- yeah. Blackula is just a better name. It flows, you know. It, it kind of at least fits. <laughs> like like Blackenstein, that's, that's trying a little too hard. Yeah. yeah. You need like, a, like another, like... I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I was going to try enough. to think of some puns about stuff. And then I was like, no, don't. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Uh, so, yeah. So that's that's about the most we got out of Black Yellow. We didn't even get all the way through it because it's worth watching scenes. from it. I'm sure there's like a best of scenes on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Like you're there's probably, you're just way better off watching that. Although I will say that the version that we watched was like a very good transfer. Like, yeah, it, looked, it was it really, really cleaned good. up and nice and crisp and black blacks and film yeah. grain. So get Blackula on, on Blu-ray. I, I'm just imagining the poor like engineer working at the like the studio that had, that's their job to like painstakingly like clean up and restore and you know like do all this like you know tender loving care to a print of Blackula. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. You know, it's like it's like when you go to like you know the the DVD store and there's like you know like a, a restored print of like you know like Night Beast or something. Yeah. And how someone had to sit there and color correct and everything, just this shitty movie about a, a rubber alien monster. <laughs> yeah, you know, it also reminded me of uh, we were talking about this while we were watching Vampire in Brooklyn, the Eddie Murphy movie. Yeah. Starring. Uh, starring, starring Eddie Murphy. Starring Eddie direct, Murphy. Directed by Wes Craven. Yeah, but and you said it's not very good, right? No, it's I not. I have not seen that. It's but also watching Blackula, it's pretty much just a remake of Blackula. Like oh, it's okay. very very similar. Okay, so I guess if you if you want like a, a more competent kind of Blackula story because he because Eddie Murphy doesn't play Dracula in that, does he? No, no, no. He's just a vampire. He's just a vampire. Yeah. But he's clearly a Dracula influence. He, and he so. plays other characters. It's, it's like you mentioned this is like the last one before he started playing a lot of characters. He actually plays like multiple characters in this one too. Oh, really? He plays like a white cop and it looks terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have to watch that now. I've never like had any desire to see that before because it just looked boring from every trailer yeah. I saw. But it, you've won me over. Yeah. It was on uh, Pluto TV. It's like a free app you can watch it on. 
Good but, to um, know. Good to know. Yeah, it also so, just reminds me that no one should ever um, wear makeup to look like a race that they're not because it's always really bad. It's always really <laughs> always bad. Yeah, like it's no matter who's doing it and what race, like it's just always just don't do it. Cut to a still of the Wayans brothers, <laughs> which we can't do because we're a podcast, but picture it in your head. Let's talk now about, I'm trying to think of something. So I, you didn't watch this, but I watched earlier today, Dracula Untold. Oh, yes. Well, I remember when it came out. Uh, so I can, and I, I know like what I know what the story is basically. So yeah, so yeah, so for those of you who don't remember, because it's pretty easy to forget, it was a very forgettable movie. Uh, Dracula yeah. Untold was the first attempt to start an extended Universal monster movie. <laughs> kind of came and went too. I remember the posters being everywhere for this, and then just. Yeah. Well, I remembered it was coming out. Yeah. And then it was like, it was like, oh, they're making a Dracula prequel. Okay. But then I remembered like right before it came out, they were like, we're going to try to turn this into the beginning of this thing. And they did like reshoots to add scenes to it, to make it to where it could be the launching pad for this like new universe. Because I don't, I don't know what Universal's fucking thinking right now, because like, when you think of like the classic Universal monsters, like Universal monsters are like when when you think of classic American horror movies, you think of like the Universal stable, you know, yeah. like the the Boris Karloff Frankenstein, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, the Claude Rains Invisible Man, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, Bela Lugosi Mummy, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, even like it's, yeah. and those are all just kind of like small, low budget, like horror movies a lot of them are shit they're not like a lot of those sequels are bad but they're all that kind of thing but they keep trying to do like an action kind of thing they keep trying to make them like action films and then to put them into an extended universe that are like a marvel kind of thing it's like they're not made for that just yeah so this was supposed to be like this was their attempt to yeah have like an avenger style like uh, you know every movie's connected and and everything (laughs) like that and the mummy was going to be the like the second. It was going to be the second one, yeah. But which after this one this failed one... terribly, they tried to just like turn that into the next first one, and then that failed terribly. Well, I mean, I th- I also think I read that when the Wolfman came out, the Benicio. Oh yeah, Del the Benicio Del Toro, which was a couple years before right, Dracula Untold. That was originally like kind of like this is our Iron Man, but they. I don't think they had planned it as much as they did when they were making Dracula. No, it was kind of just like if this does well, maybe we can introduce. Which is this. how you should do it because when yeah. like for as much grief I mean, as like what... that Benicio del Toro Wolfman movie gets, you can just enjoy it as like a movie by itself. But like when you film scenes that like put that kind of thing in there, then you just like that. invite people to, and especially when it fails, it's just even more hilarious when you watch it and they're like, "We're setting up all these new adventures." And it's like, it's like, do you remember that movie Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins? No. There, it was like I'm an action that. movie, but it was called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. And it was just like so funny because they clearly like made this one movie just like confident that this was going to start a franchise. Like the title's called like The Adventure Begins <laughs> and it like ends in like all this like sequel bait, I think. And it's just like it's just funny when you watch these movies that have like the hubris to think like this is going to go off and take off. Yeah. And, and then they just fall flat on their face. Because, like, when you watch that first Iron Man movie, it's, like, it's just a movie that stands by yeah. itself. And it has that scene at the very end after the credits. That's why it's an after credits scene, right, because right. it's not meant to be a part of the movie. You could, like, divorce it from the movie entirely, and it wouldn't matter. But no, it's, like, every here's recent, a neat thing that might work, you know? Yeah, and every recent example of when they, they've started doing that, like, post-Avengers, like, 
do you remember did you see the amazing spider-man 2 yes unfortunately <laughs> so like that was like clearly like trying to set up a whole universe that yeah. never went anywhere so it's like that movie's actually pretty fascinating in retrospect just like seeing all that but then there's also this which i think came out like either the same year uh dracula untold um yeah it was the same thing it's like you like they were just like jumping the gun so much thinking like oh we're gonna launch this whole universe and then just terrible yeah because because yeah long story short for as far as like the the sequel bait in this movie goes that was all reshot like because this movie is just the prequel story of dracula basically the story of vlad tepish and how he becomes a vampire dracula basically but at the very end it seems like he's dead and you can tell where like the movie proper like ended and then like it cuts to present day and just like dracula's back and he looks the exact same and he's talking to like a woman on the street at the very end yeah at the very end who looks like his wife like he's talking to a woman at like a you know like a like a fruit vendor on the street or something and she looks exactly like his wife who died in the movie and he starts talking to her and he like quotes a poem that like they shared in the movie together. And she goes, that's my favorite poem. And it's clear that she's like reincarnated. And she goes like, my name's Mina. And he like, and they shake hands. And then you see an old man reading a newspaper, watching them in the distance. And he puts the newspaper down and they walk away. And then he starts following them and he goes, let the games begin. And I guess the implications that he's Van Helsing. And then like, the, oh. then that's the scene and it's over. But it's like, it's not as obnoxious as like the mummy one where, you know, like Dr. Jekyll played by Russell Crowe shows up at one point. <laughs> But it's still just kind of like, uh. <laughs> oh boy. So it's basically, so, Dracula begins. It's 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 Batman begins with Dracula, which is is super appropriate because there's it, there's even like the Batman begins scene where all the bats like fly around him in the scene with Dracula, like at the end of the movie, like he stands on the tower of his castle and there's an army approaching him and he like summons all these bats and they all like twirl around him the same way and then they descend on the army. It says here that the the guy who says let the games begin is supposed to be uh, Master Vampire. Oh, so he was supposed to be like the Nick Fury. Oh, so he was going to show up. And that's even dumber than what I thought. So I was like, oh, if that guy's Van Helsing, that'd be clever if they did like an actual Dracula (laughs) kind of like proper story after this. Because it is. I mean, it's it's a fine movie, but it's like it's it wants to be like Lord of the Rings kind of or like a Game of Thrones. It's kind of actiony in that regard. Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes where it's like you could tell like people are like, oh, I watched that movie. Let's put that scene in here. Like there's the Batman Begins scene. There's like all this kind of stuff there. Oh, yeah. Like this, speaking of like Lord of the Rings references, because part of it's like, you know, like Dracula's like this prince. Mm-hmm. You know, he lives in his castle and like the Turks like invade and he has to like move all of his people. And it's literally the exact same scene from the two towers where they have to move all the people to Helm's Deep. Oh God. And, and that's, and that's where the Borgo pass like Dracula castle comes from is it was, it was his, the refuge that he led all his people to, to keep them all away from the Turks mm-hmm. and some like that history building and stuff in the movie was interesting. But, uh, so, but yeah, so the, the plot for those of you who don't know, it's like Dracula, he has like Vlad Tepish, Vlad the Impaler. And at the beginning, he's even kind of wearing, like, the uh, Gary Oldman, like, red armor from the oh, beginning. Okay. Yeah, like, this definitely seems of, like it's very much of, supposed to be, like, a prequel to that, right? It, it, it kind of looks like it, yeah, but it's but it's definitely not because, like, it, you know, the yeah. Winona Ryder character isn't there. Because in yeah. this, Dracula has a whole family. He has a wife, and he has a son who has, like, a weird name I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> That's, like, hard to say. And, like, in the, the whole thing is that, like, Dracula was abducted as a young boy by the Turks, 
and raised to be a soldier in their army and then he got like old enough that he just like became a conqueror and killed all the Turks and like took you know the Romanians back away from them and there had been like years and years of peace but then the Turks kind of came back to Dracula one day and was like we want a thousand of your kids and to do the exact same thing to this whole generation of children that happened to you when you were a kid and we're also taking your son and so Dracula is basically like no he goes to war with them and he finds out, he goes in a cave, and he finds out there's a vampire in there, and he makes, like, a deal with Satan, with the vampire, to, like, get extra powers to defend his kingdom, which only manifests in him becoming, like, a giant flock of CG bats that just, like, go really fast, and then they form into a shape of a man real quick. Yeah. And when he's stabbed with silver, he can die, but... And, and you know, and it's, and from there, it's kind of just, like, your typical kind of story you expect. You know, like, Dracula's wife and kids, you know, mm-hmm. get it, you know, and he becomes a monster and his people all fear him and it's yeah you know and you get kind of introduced to little things yeah like the dracula's castle with the borgo passes where he takes all of his people because at the beginning there's like a big dracula's castle where like all of his people live and it looks like you know like the big like gondor castle or something from like lord of the rings like a big fortress from like game of thrones yeah and uh so it's it's it was a fine movie all right i got done watching Do you recommend it. it should i watch it if it's like if it shows up on streaming and you have just like nothing else to watch, like like I'll say this when I watched it and I got done watching it, I was like, oh, that was fine. But like now that I'm sitting here trying to talk about it with you, I'm finding that like details of it are already just like escaping my brain. It's yeah. it's middle of the road, and I think that's the worst thing any movie can be is just like middle of the road. Because mm-hmm. if something's like really bad, it'll stick out in your brain. If something's really good, it'll stick out in your brain. Yeah, this just kind of comes and goes. Yeah, that's like that's, I mean, that's that's my advice to any artist listening is that if you can't be great at something, just try as hard as you can to be just the worst at it you can possibly be. <laughs> Being average gets you nowhere. Yeah. Alright, you wanna talk about that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good segue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's talk about Van Helsing, because that's another one, speaking of things that look like they're clearly supposed to be referencing the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. This one was yeah. actually supposed to reference that, correct? Well, you know what? I did read that, but then I've also read people refute that claim, so it might not okay. actually be true. So that might be apocryphal, because you had told me previously we were hanging out that like the, the we're of course talking about the Van Helsing movie starring Hugh Jackman as yes. Van Helsing. It came out in 04. Um, yeah, and uh, and you had told me that this was supposed to be a prequel to the the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Not and it was necessarily a, a prequel, but it was it was supposed to be like Anthony Hopkins was going to play. Van oh yeah, it was. Yeah, he was supposed to. He was supposed to come back, and it was supposed to be like in the same universe yeah. as, as that yeah. Dracula movie, and that it just kind of it eventually got in morphed. development hell for so long yeah. and kept getting rewritten and passed around. That by the time it got made, it was action schlock that starred yeah. <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, because it is universal. It is universal, um, yeah. And it's it's kind of, I like the very, very beginning of that movie where it's all in black and white. And it's kind of like the end of Frankenstein, I think, supposed to be. mm -hmm. Where he's kind of in the windmill and it's on fire and then Dracula shows up. (laughs) Which the Dracula in Van Helsing is not great. not good, yeah. (laughs) He's Um, like, he's Ponytail Man. He kind of looks like Count Chocula a little bit. See, I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't the beginning of the universal shared universe. that did a better job of combining like that that yeah. movie gets a lot of shit too and it and it is kind of it does turn to schlock at the end you know when hugh jackman turns into a giant like cgi wolf or some shit yeah but like <laughs> but well, it, it does do a good job of like putting you know like frankenstein and dracula and all these characters together in one movie and seeming like they they work together in that universe yeah well, like, it's weird because i'm reading here that it was actually supposed to be rebooted in 2012 with tom cruise as van helsing <laughs> 
Oh. And then that was going to be part of the shared universe. But then he dropped out and then signed on for the mummy, which brought him back into oh, this see. shared universe. I was about to say that that would make a lot of sense how he like wound up in the mummy. If he agreed to like some other kind of universal horror movie, then that fell through. And just yeah. because of contract stuff, he was still like obligated to like be in one or something. So they just, cause I, that's like that thing about that new mummy movies. I'm just like Tom Cruise. I didn't see that. Like, yeah. Like what is like, what is Tom Cruise doing at? He's like the Brendan Fraser character. Like I, I get, but it's, but it's not even supposed to be, it's not even really like an adaptation of any of the mummy movies. Like it's not supposed to be like the Brendan Fraser movies. It doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to follow the plot of any of like the mummy movies I saw from the thirties. Cause the whole thing is that it's like, it takes place in Iraq, I think. That's and, so weird. and it's, but this, this isn't the, the mummy podcast, no. but it's like, but it's, but yeah, I, it, yeah, the whole, like, the whole dark universe thing is like, it's, it's kind of fascinating just yeah. seeing other studios trying to recreate what Marvel did. Yeah, but but you don't need to do that when you're you universe. Just make good movies, which I think they're rebooting those Universal movies again. But they're now trying to follow the Blumhouse model, where they're just getting like little art house directors, giving them just like a little amount of money, and having them make like smaller, which sounds closer to what you should do. But I'm also af- afraid with their track record that they're gonna screw that up somehow. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, but Van Helsing is, it's not as bad a movie as people make it out to be. There's some fun scenes like the, the carriage scene where they're running along is good. And I haven't seen this. I, I don't know if I said that. I've oh, never, you haven't I've seen, never Van, seen Helsing? Van Helsing? No. It's all right. You should check it out. It's, <laughs> it's, but it, there was it, a cartoon too, wasn't there? I think they made a cartoon based oh on Oh God, this. did they? Yeah. Well, a weird thing about the, the Van Helsing movie is that even though I think it has Dracula in it, like, I don't think they really try to play up the fact that like Van Helsing and Dracula are like rivals in any way. It's just that like Van Helsing is a vampire hunter and there's also Dracula in it. There is Dracula in this, right? Let me. Yeah. Look. Oh yeah. So there's. Yeah. The weird, really weird thing is that. Um... Oh my God. I just realized I just looked, looked up the guy that played the Count Chocula, Dracula and Van Helsing. And he's the same guy from Mission Impossible 2 who gets his finger cut off by the cigar thing. Oh. For for those of you who saw that great film Mission Impossible Two, I've not seen that since it came out. I remember hating it. Though. Directed by John Woo, <laughs> where people fly in the air and just like crazy shit happens. Yeah, he he played the one henchman that gets his finger cut off by a cigar maker or a cigar cutter thing. <sighs> wow. Um, but yeah, but they don't really do anything with like the whole va- because you know a lot of the adaptations we've seen like Van Helsing and Dracula are supposed to be you know like they're almost kind of like cosmically they're like you know cosmic foes almost on the level of like a batman and a joker or like you know a moriarty and a sherlock holmes roger ebert gave van helsing three out of four stars just so you know he said van helsing is silly spectacular and fun there you go that that, it is a fun movie it's van helsing you know what van helsing is van helsing is a good movie where it's like if it comes on tbs like Mm -hmm. at 3 p.m on like a sunday and you're kind of like hungover or you're not feeling good and you just need like a movie to kind of like fade in and out of consciousness to on your couch Van Helsing it's it. it's a good one for that Kate Beckinsdale's in it too <laughs> Which is, well it's weird because she's in all those other uh the underworld movies she yeah so aren't those you, that's vampires yeah those are vampires so yeah maybe they're kind of like you know she tests well with vampire people put yeah. her in this other vampire Jackman thing is wolverine you, kind of vampire-ish, I guess. Yeah, and he turned. Yeah, at the very end of the movie, he turns because it's. It almost kind of has the same kind of deals like the Mummy Returns. If you ever saw that with Brendan Fraser, 
where at the end he turns out to like be like oh that's a great movie but at the end of that it turns out that he was like destined to be like some kind of like cosmic or not cosmic but like he was like destined to be some kind of like egyptian hero or something he had like some mark he was born with yeah (laughs) and he was like destined to kill like the uh like the monster version of the scorpion king or some crazy shit oh but like, right the scorpion king yeah right? the rock the, the rock is the scorpion in king. one scene just so that they could have another movie called the scorpion king yeah and then he shows up at the end and he's a big rubbery cgi mess but like brendan fraser was like destined and like hieroglyphics to be the one to like kill him and it turns out like he has this like preordained destiny that's like not implied at all in the other mummy movie where he's just supposed to be action man <laughs> But, like, Van Helsing kind of has, like, the same deal as that, where at the end he's, like, destined to, like, turn into, like, a like a big wolf monster or something. <laughs> and he turns into a big wolf monster to, like, fight drag. I, I don't even, like... Yeah. It's, it's crazy, but it, it does... I don't remember exactly how he turns into a giant CG monster at the end, but Hugh Jackman turns into a giant <laughs> CG, like, wolf thing at the end, and it's, it's, it's schlocky fun. All right, I'll check that one out. <laughs> It's what we got. Okay, so we talked about Van Helsing. We've talked about Dracula Untold. We've, we've already been doing 45 minutes, by the way. Blithered and blathered. Okay. Um, what are some other good ones? I mean, we have talked. We could talk a little bit about the, the Christopher Lee, I guess. Yeah. Dracula sequels. Let's, why don't we just do Dracula 2000? Okay, let's just jump Let's just jump into that, yeah. So we, so, yeah, we, we've talked about a lot of other things, you know, like the Christopher Lee sequel, stuff like that. But let's just jump into the main event, Dracula 2000, hmm. the, our, our big, our, our spotlight film, because there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here. Because Dracula 2000, which it did come out in 2000, it right? It did come out in 2000, right? But it was known internationally. It's Dracula, Dracula 2001. 2001. I'm just reading that. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Because Dracula 2000 is clearly the catchy title. There's so many things like that, though, around that time. Yeah, this movie is a time capsule. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I remember, like, right when the new millennium happened, some some of our younger viewers who might be 18-year-olds who don't remember when 2000 happened, which makes me feel old. Yeah. uh, But, like... uh, When the new millennium hit, like, everything was something 2000, you know? Like, it was... I remember, like, South Park did a whole season where every episode was, like, Timmy 2000, you know? And, like, and stuff like that. And uh, what were some other ones? You know, you had, like, Windows 2000. Yeah, everything was 2000 then. Like, even if it was 1998, it was, like, 2000. Yeah, it was just, like, it's just, like, the future. So this was called Dracula 2000. And And as Wes Craven presents dracula 2000 yeah so he he had something to do production wise with it but he, he sat was, in a, on a meeting <laughs> he, what, what that means he 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 read, he read over the script and gave them like five or six notes and they're like that's enough to put your name on it mr craven you can go back to counting your screen money uh but yeah as, as we said this is like a tiny time capsule because yeah they decide that they're gonna make a new dracula story for the new millennium <laughs> And uh, these people had clearly uh, been influenced by the Matrix. I think we can easily say. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely the Matrix. Like, it's also like pretty similar in structure to the Frank Langella Dracula. It and is kind, of, kind like, of trying to modernize it and make him more like of a ladies' man type of thing. Kind of, yeah. And it's yeah, and it's definitely kind of more more of a Hollywood telling. It's less, you know. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a movie called Dracula 2000 is going to be one of our more kind of like you know, studious adaptations. God, Gerard Butler. 
But yeah, Gerard Butler's in it. Everyone's wearing like black leather. Everyone's in the black leather trench coats mm-hmm. and sunglasses. No matter who they are or what they do, everyone looks like a hacker. Yeah. Well, Be- and it's Johnny Lee Miller who starred in Hackers. Yeah, Johnny Lee Miller and from Hackers playing an antiques dealer because obviously antiques <laughs> dealers look like, you know, ripped young Hollywood hunks who, who wear black leather everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is supposed to be kind of like a, a reboot of Dracula, but it's also like a... like. Here's this adaptation like hurts my head a little bit when I try to think about it because it's supposed to be like a sequel to Dracula, I believe, because Christopher Plummer plays uh, the original Van Helsing from like Dracula back in the 1800s. The Gerard Butler Dracula is supposed to be that Dracula as well. But it's also implied that the Dracula novel also exists and that Bram Stoker was inspired by these real events. But also this movie is kind of just like a soft reboot of the Dracula story where he's like on the plane at one point and it crashes. That's clearly supposed to be the Demeter part. Um, At one point, um, the one girl who's played by Jennifer Esposito, she's taken (laughs) to the mental hospital. And Dr. Seward is the preceding uh, psychologist. So it's very clearly oh, is also, he called Seward. They say his name is Doctor Seward in it, yeah, and it's and it does kind of follow those Dracula beats. So it's like it's like a soft reboot of Dracula, mm-hmm. where it acknowledges the original Dracula, but acknowledges there's also like a Dracula book in this timeline. But it's then it's also that's like the Force Awakens. Like it's it's like the Force Awakens if there was also a movie called Star Wars in <laughs> yeah, the Star Wars universe. Like it hurts your brain kind of if you think about it too much. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a little weird, but once you get past that, um, yeah, so yeah, um, it opens at like an antique store and Christopher Plummer is supposed to, he's introduced as a descendant of Abraham Van Helsing called Matthew Van Helsing. I think is the name that he's going by and he works at Carfax Antiques, which is clearly named after Carfax Abbey, the place where Dracula lives. And it's an antique store that's in like a train station. Like it's the weirdest location. Like everything in this movie is weird and bizarre. It reminded <laughs> me of the Ron Perlman Beauty and the Beast TV show. Yeah. You ever read about that? Oh yeah, like and he's got the like like the weird like fat face and Linda Hamilton's yeah. in it and yeah, he like yeah, lived yeah. in the sewer. <laughs> this is kind of like that. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Um but yeah, so at the beginning they're like talking and like something happens and like uh Jennifer Esposito plays Johnny Lee Miller's uh ex-girlfriend and the two of them also work for van helsing's antiques mm-hmm. and you know at the beginning Johnny Lee miller like gives uh, van helsing like a new crossbow gun or something and he's like oh you're collecting another one of these don't you want to sell it he's like no they're for my personal collection <laughs> and he brings up you know it's like you're starting to seem like your ancestor who hunted vampires and he's like no that's just a thing from a book written by bram stoker my Ugh. the the actual abraham van helsing was just a, a man of you know science and the occasional occultish curiosity you know whatever that kind of stuff and jennifer esposito's in there and she and we get the implication that jennifer esposito and johnny lee miller used to date and they don't any longer. But then later, we find out that Jennifer Esposito is dating a group of uh, like burglars, like hacker bandits. And they break in and they find in like the basement of the antique store is a coffin. And mm. and like a bunch of their men get killed in all these booby traps. Like Van Helsing's like Temple of Doomed, like the entire place up. So like no one can steal this coffin. But somehow they still steal the coffin, even though like four like of their men get killed. And they bring it onto an airplane and uh, one of the henchmen is hide from that '70s show, and, oh God. That's right. and like they're and they're trying to figure out how to open this coffin because it's like this big metal coffin. It looks like something from like Hellraiser almost. And uh, they they try to open it, 
and uh, and they can't figure out how, and eventually hide from that 70s show on the plane in a room by himself, figures out how to open the coffin, and Dracula pops out and kills him, and then, like, everyone on the plane gets, like, killed neat by vampires, plane crashes, clearly, like, a metaphor, like we said, for the Demeter ride from the novel. Yeah. And that's how Dracula gets out, as he's stolen from Van Helsing. So Van Helsing goes off and leaves to try to find Dracula, and Johnny Lee Miller follows him because he won't tell Johnny Lee Miller what's going on or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has to just, like, follow him from afar and see what's going on. And the entire story then goes to New Orleans where everything takes place. And we find out that the Christopher Plummer Van Helsing is the Van Helsing from back in Dracula times and that he's been keeping young by putting leeches on Dracula's body <sighs> that drink his blood right. and then he froms a syringe pulls the blood out of the leeches and injects it into his veins and that's kept him alive for several hundred years what a twisted man <laughs> that's like, that that like a hollywood screenwriter thought that up and thought like <laughs> yep that's how we're going to explain <laughs> And from there, it's basically just kind of the Dracula story. Uh, the Mina character is Mary, who is the daughter of Van Helsing. And where does Mary work, Chris? I don't remember. The Virgin Megastore, ah, which right. is like... has which is all over this movie. It's right? all over this movie. It might as well be another character in this movie. There's like five or six scenes that all take place in the Virgin Megastore where both the yeah. Mina character and the Lucy character work. And they're both constantly Mary and Lucy. referencing it. It's like... Going to the Virgin Megastore. They're constantly referencing it. They're constantly wearing shirts that say Virgin Megastore. There's a fight in a parking lot at one point <laughs> with Dracula, and uh, like it's right next to a giant Virgin Megastore van. Like I don't know what Virgin paid to like be represented in this movie, but they got their money's worth because holy shit! Like <laughs> it's probably just like Virgin was owned by whatever studio, like Miramax or whatever at the time. That could be. And just like, we need a place to film at. We don't have a lot of money. Yeah. We'll just put it in the Virgin Megastore. We own that. But uh, but so, Mary is like uh, Van Helsing's daughter, and she has kind of a psychic tether to Dracula, uh, which is kind of from the book, where they're kind of psychically tied together. And, uh, and, and then, like we said, from there, it's kind of just standard Dracula fare. But the big twist at the end of Dracula 2000 is that we find out that Dracula is not Vlad Tepish like we thought he was. Mm-hmm. He is actually, do you remember, Chris? I don't. He's Judas from oh, the Bible. Oh, that's right. We find, yeah, and that's why he doesn't like religious symbolism because he's the one that sold Jesus out. In my defense, I mean, we watched this movie like four months ago, and I was really, we were, really stoked. we were pretty big. <laughs> but yeah, and he and he dies at the very end right. by getting hung from reveal. a neon cross yeah. that like sends sparks all over him and sets him on fire while he's being hung from his neck the, God, the way that Judas weird, did. What a weird twist. Yeah, it's it's super. It was super out of like left field nowhere, and it's it kind of makes sense. But like, and I guess that's I didn't see that coming because you know like you're sitting there watching like the you know Zillionth Dracula adaptation, and you're going like, okay, he's Vlad Tepish, and he may or may not have had a love that was lost to him, and it was cursed for like, oh Judas, oh okay, like <laughs> it's different. I haven't seen that yet. So there are two sequels to this too. There are two sequels to this, and neither of them are Dracula 3000, we should point out. <laughs> right. That's a totally... Yeah, that's that's an unrelated point. production, because, yeah, the sequels to this are Dracula Ascension and Dracula Legacy, which are both directed by the same guy, Patrick Lugier, uh, Did, wait, a West schlock auteur. Wes Craven's name is still on both of these two. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's like... Oh, God. Jason Scott Lee's in the 
and Jason London are in the third one. Yeah, we haven't seen either of those sequels, but I, I imagine they're not great. I, I've seen clips online, however, from Dracula 3000, and that may or may not be worth checking out for our viewers, because mm -hmm. for those of you that don't know, they also made a movie called Dracula 3000. It's completely unrelated to Dracula, the Dracula 2000 series in any way, but it's uh, Dracula in space. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dracula's in space for some reason, and the film stars Coolio... And I believe, here, I'm pulling up the page, but I think it also stars Erica Alaniac, I want to say, like the the playmate who was in, in Baywatch uh, yeah. and the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, Erica Alaniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah there she is. And Casper Van Dien is Captain Van, Van Helsing Dien. in it. Oh, I definitely have to check this I, out. I'll watch anything with Casper Van Dien. <laughs> I don't care. Casper Van Dien from such hit films as Starship Troopers and... And Starship Troopers 3. <laughs> He was too good for the second one, but they got him back for the third. Yeah, I have not seen any of the Starship Troopers sequels. I can't imagine that they're great. Mm. The first one's a, a work of art, but yeah. But yeah, but yeah so there's a, a Dracula movie where they shoot him into space because even Dracula's not immune from that horror trope because it feels yeah, like every horror like franchise has like a, a sequel where they shoot him out into space. They just don't know what to do with him. Like that's happened to Leprechaun. Yeah. Jason did that. Totally. Uh, which this is from 2004. So this is after Jason X. And when I've seen clips online from it, it does kind of seem like it has like a like a Jason X kind of yeah. feel to it, which a lot of people don't like Jason X. I think it's a, a fine movie. It's the, the sci-fi and it's believable enough. The effects are like sci-fi movie of the yeah. week level. Like there's David, some good Jason kills. I feel like David Cronenberg is in that. He is. He's yeah. in it at the very beginning. He gets like a like a like a chain shoved through his stomach or something. It's so weird. Because that was his only condition for being in that movie is that he wanted to get killed by Jason, and they were like, "All right." But why? Why did they want him in that so badly? Well, because they were just looking for like a like a cheap cameo to get people to like watch the movie because uh, because it's Jason X and they didn't have a lot going for it <laughs> and that was that was his condition but uh but yeah so Dracula three thousand is like a low budget Jason X and Jason X is already a low budget Jason X yeah so uh but yeah but speaking of like the Hellraiser films that send people into space that's what I always think of when I think of like the Christopher Lee Dracula sequels that like they kind of feel like the Hellraiser sequels where it's just like an unrelated plot about people and then as long as we squeeze like five seconds of Pinhead in that weird box in we can technically call it a Hellraiser sequel because <laughs> there's a couple of those those Christopher Lee Dracula movies that definitely feel that way where it's just about like teenagers and their weird dramas and like them getting in the occult and then as long as Christopher Lee shows up three times in the movie to look tired like he's Dracula, then it's fine. So yeah, so we've talked about Dracula 2000 a little bit and how he's actually Judas and he dies being hung from a neon cross. Uh, we've talked about Dracula 3000, we've talked about Van Helsing, Blackula, Dracula Untold. Uh, That's a lot. We, we've been through a lot. I guess the only other one that I wanted to give special attention to that's a spinoff is Abbott and Costello meet uh, yeah. Frankenstein. Which we brought up a few times throughout this uh We brought it up a couple of times, but it's always kind of been in passing. Like, I know we definitely mentioned it on the Bela Lugosi episode, but we were talking about a lot. But that's seriously, like, of all the movies that use Dracula that aren't, like, a Dracula adaptation that mm -hmm. are, like, a movie, like, I think it's definitely, like, the best one. Like, he, Bela Lugosi gives a great performance. He's, you know, he has pretty good comic timing he works well with the Abbott and Costello characters it's a movie that also has the Wolfman and uh, Frankenstein in it like if you're new to the Universal series of films like it's a it's a yeah, good starting place there. it introduces yeah. you to everything and it does it in a fun little way 
there's a great scene where Dracula's in his coffin while Abbott's like reading the legend of Dracula. And uh, because they think that they're all just like wax dummies of the monsters, they deliver them to this wax museum at the beginning. And he's kind of like reading the story of Dracula there at like the wax museum display, but he doesn't realize oh, that yeah. the real Dracula's in the coffin. So while he's reading, like the top of the coffin starts lifting. And when yeah. he like looks over, it closes again. I remember thinking I was so funny as a kid. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's still like I rewatched it recently because I just bought all those on Blu-ray because I'm a dork, and uh, like the it's it. I mean, as far as like the the comedic timing and everything, it holds up. Like it's not like as hilarious as it was when I was a kid, but you definitely watch it. And as a fan of physical comedy mm. and and stuff like that, uh, cut to a shot of me performing my weird horror show, which again this is a podcast, so we can't do. But imagine in your head, and uh, <laughs> how much of this are we gonna have to cut out? But. Uh, <laughs> But it's a it's it's good. It's good. It's mm-hmm. worth checking out. Yeah. And it ends in a cameo where Vincent Price plays the voice of the Invisible Man. Oh, so. right. That's like the most memorable moment. I feel like. And you and you get like kind of classic re updatings of uh, classic Abbott and Costello gags. And uh, so it's like if you know, like when I was a kid, that kind of simultaneously got me into both comedy and horror movies at the same time because I was able to branch off from there and check out like you know the Universal horror movies mm-hmm. and kind of branch off from there. But it also made me look into like Abbott Costello's comedy and then you learn about like who's on first and you, yeah. you know start watching all that kind of stuff yeah. and it got me into kind of like older like you know 40s comedy that you know like kids in 1997 probably yeah. weren't into yeah so it's 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 worth checking out so that's sure that's I guess our our talk sorry I feel like this has been going on forever but we're yeah, we're gonna we chop this up though yeah so. we should uh, wrap it up yeah let's let's move on to our our wrap-up part so we've talked about all the spinoffs so let's so we've officially reached the end of our, our Dracula journey. That's right. And, we will never uh, speak to each other again. <laughs> like, I may never watch Dracula again, I feel like. No, I mean, there's definitely been some that have been good, and I'll, I'll get back to it at some point, but I am definitely looking forward to putting my focus onto something that's yeah uh, not Dracula and the characters in Dracula for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's talk a bit about our thoughts about Dracula. Like, so I guess I'll start with you. Like, if you had to pick like your favorite all time of all the Dracula movies we've talked about, what would be your pick for that? Um, I actually just did the rankings here of all the movies we talked about, and Werner Herzog's Nosferatu, the Vampire. Oh, so that's that's gonna be that's, your, your number one. That's my number one. Yeah. Interesting. I I would say that's that's my number two. Like I, I went through and watched them all, and I still think Dracula Dead and Loving is my favorite. <laughs> and I don't care what kind of garbage that makes me. I that's did a, I did rank it pretty high. Yeah, but but Nosferatu, uh, the Werner Herzog one, is definitely like my number two of the of the serious Draculas. Mm-hmm. It's it's my my favorite. When I think of like Renfield in my head, it's like that version of Renfield yeah, where he's like gleefully just kind of like insane and like <laughs> giggling at people. <laughs> He does that throughout the entire movie, basically. And like the, he, he pretty much does, yeah. And and the acting's all very kind of weird and different. And it's mm-hmm. like it's very artsy. It's unsettling, yeah. The and there's so fun. much just like weird like Easter egg stuff in there, especially if you know anything about Werner Herzog and how he's just like basically just commits crimes in the sake of <laughs> making films. 
and you're just watching and there's just like a dead horse in the background and you're just like that may be a real dead horse yeah and it opens of, with like real dead bodies yeah, and there's a lot of weird things in it it's it's very it is a very very interesting movie so yeah i would say that but it's you have to be in a mood to watch the herzog nosferatu like yeah. that's that's not just one you can like pop on after like a long day at work yeah and just like oh i just want to kick my feet back and watch a movie where there's just like millions <laughs> of rats gnawing paint off each other at one point yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Dracula Dead and Loving It, I think is it's That's it's a great one. it's a great introduction to all those those Dracula characters. If you've never seen those before, like I said, like uh, horror comedies are such a great way, I think, to get people into horror who mm -hmm. might not otherwise be interested in it. Yeah, because like as we've talked about a lot, like, you know, you have characters like Jonathan Harker and it's like it's almost hard for you to like care about them in a lot of these adaptations because he's just such a dumbass <laughs> and he's just like and he just kind of doesn't have a lot of a character. He goes missing for a lot of the adaptation in a lot of them mm -hmm. and uh but in this one you know he's played by like steven weber he's kind of jokey you know and stuff and peter mcnichol does a good job as renfield and he <laughs> that's and, renfield yeah and he, and he he does a really good job at the beginning of seeming like a sane person who's then turned into a crazy person by dracula and yeah. he has a lot of good slapstick moments and leslie nielsen does a decent job as dracula he kind of puts a little bit of his own spin on it while still sticking enough to the archetypical kind of dracula mold to mm -hmm. to make it work as a parody of it because that's because you know it is a parody so you do kind of have to stick with those archetypes to a certain extent so people get yeah, that you're like making fun of them it's but, a parody but it is also like pretty faithful adaptation i mean it's, it's a pretty faithful adaptation and it's enough of its own thing to yeah the amount can, of like, liberties that they take are like really no more of a stretch than a lot of these oh no yeah watched. like it's 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 a pretty spot-on adaptation it's a pretty spot-on uh retelling of that original bella lugosi movie you know it's got yeah. down to the point where you know like renfield kind of plays the jonathan harker part at the beginning and everything mm -hmm. so that's that's probably my number one and then my number two would be the nosferatu silent film so you just said that you had done a ranking of all of them. So would you mind going through and telling us what your entire yeah, list would be? I'll then? start from the bottom up now that I've already revealed uh, number one. Okay. Uh, so we've watched eight major adaptations. Well, we've watched many more, but we've talked, discussed eight. Yeah, um, of the main ones we've done, yeah. So at the very bottom, I have Dan Curtis's, uh, even though as much as, <laughs> as much as I enjoy it, I don't know. It's just like a very slow-moving, boring. Story. It is, yeah. I'll agree to that. Um, so that's why it's at the bottom, and then just at above the that's bottom, the, wow. the Frank Langella one, which is that's just, pretty low for me. Yeah, too. to me that that movie feels like it's like basically trying to be Superman. The movie, yeah, it's it's way. the most kind of sellouty of the Dracula movies. Yeah, it's like got it the kind big of John Williams score and like bigger bigger actors in it. And yeah. like like it reminds me like remember in the late eighties when just like David Bowie just like sold out completely. Yeah, and he kind of had like his like Vegasy kind of period where he was like wearing like spangly costumes and playing like Phil Collins crowds. <laughs> like this is like that for Dracula. It's like the big Hollywood version in like the most sellout way possible, where you've got like the ultra sexy Dracula, you know, with like mm. the big Elvis costume and it begins in like the Jurassic Park opening basically <laughs> on the Demeter. Yeah. And it ends with him turning into a kite at the end oh, and yeah. flying away after being hung on like a pirate ship basically. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's yeah, I, I agree with that. So that's, that's pretty low. Then above that I have Dracula dead and loving it. Not too 
dismiss it because okay. I did really enjoy it. But okay, I'm not judging. I'm just I just find it interesting. I'm <laughs> I'm a little shocked still that you put Dan Curtis Dracula so low. But other than that, I'm what basically would, in all agreement. Right. Well, well, we'll get to yours in. A oh bit. no, yeah, it's, I just um, keep going. I'm just sorry. I'm live uh, commenting. So yeah, Dracula done loving it. Then above that, Christopher Lee's Dracula, which you know yeah, I like. It's a it's, solid one. It's like an iconic one, but not exactly. Uh, I mean that that's a really that's a weird one. Yeah, it's definitely not the best, but it's certainly not the worst. It's like, yeah. And then above that, Nosferatu, the original. Okay. Above that, Bela Lugosi, Dracula. Okay. And then Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula at number two. Okay. And then Nosferatu. The okay. One. So your like top three then are like. Herzog Nosferatu, yes. Bela Lugosi, Dracula. And, no, no, no. So, yeah. So, oh. number one, Nosferatu, the vampire. Yeah. Number two, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. And then number three, uh, Bela Lugosi, Dracula. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I did not get quite as methodical with my list, so I'm going to be kind of figuring this out math-wise as I go along. But like <laughs> I said, I think for my list, I definitely think Dracula dead and loving it. Uh is is number one i'm just gonna go from top down because i mm. have to think about this while i go a little bit but uh so yeah number one dracula dead and loving it number two i definitely think the herzog nosferatu because like i said like it's just especially once you know a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff behind it it just makes the entire thing fascinating yeah definitely. half of the like part like you know half the whole deal of like watching herzog films i feel like sometimes it's just like you know what went on behind the scenes with them. Like when you watch Fitzcarraldo, it's hard for you to think of that without thinking of just like all the shit that went on behind the scenes and how like the villagers wanted to murder Klaus Kinski like for real and like all that kind of stuff. So like that kind of like history behind making something's interesting to me. Uh, Number three after that, I guess I would put... Honestly, the, the Dan Curtis one I think might be that for me. It's really? just so... It's, it's so... His... His Dracula is just so weird and like it's I enjoy it like on a like a the room kind of like B level kind of fashion. It's actually got a lot of parallels to the room, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's definitely not like yeah, like it's definitely not like the most accurate or the most, you know, well done of the adaptations, but it's it's got like a weird charm to it. I love that the ending of it's just so stupid and blunt where they kind of just like stab yeah. him to a table, then walk away, yeah. and then it pans to just a bad like painting. I think we <laughs> Jack also, we've figured out that this is the first time that they've mentioned Vlad the Impaler in any Dracula Yeah, and that, that was the very first one, yeah, where they did yeah. that, so. And at the very end, they have, like, a weird sort of, like, scrolling text type thing that says yeah. who Vlad the Impaler That's is. like, the Dracula the whole time was Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. The end. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, so that's my number three, but I also admit that it's it's definitely not a good film that's kind of like a guilty pleasure, me placing it up there as much as mm-hmm. I do. Um, after that, I guess I would probably go, I would probably go Christopher Lee after that. Hmm. That's, it's, you know, it's a salt like, uh, like I said, when you went, like, it's a solid mid-tier one. It does a good job, tells the Dracula story in a different enough way to where it's different enough from the other adaptations. Yeah. But I feel like it still wasn't, like, the most, like, groundbreaking on its own. Like, and I mean, this could just be my interpretation as American. I'm sure if I lived in England, I'd probably think otherwise but it's it does a fine job it does what it needs to do it gets what it needs to get to yeah. it gets what it needs to get right right but it's just it's a middle one it's fine yeah you should definitely watch it but yeah. it's uh so after that i guess i would go i don't know i guess i would do maybe like the maybe like the huh. you know what i'm gonna say 
original Nosferatu after that at number five because I think it's got a lot of interesting imagery. It's yeah. a good thing you can kind of pop on at the background at like a Halloween party or something. It is a good one too. And yeah. I think the the behind the scenes of that is, is interesting as well, you know, where it's like there's literal occult influences behind it. Mm-hmm. The, the man that made it met a man during the war who said that his father was an actual vampire. Mm-hmm. And then the whole like Bram Stoker's widow drama and all that. That's kind of interesting. Uh, definitely find a better rip of it than the Amazon Prime version that we watched when yeah. we did this podcast. I know. We got to find a really good, we got to find a better. Yeah. That. Well, that could be our contribution to the, the Dracula mythos because when we watched Blackula earlier, we very much liked the soundtrack to that. Uh, it has, for, for those of you that don't know, Blackula has a great, like, uh, like uh, funky kind of 70s, like pseudo porno kind of yeah. soundtrack, almost like. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. A lot so, of wah wah. So I'm gonna, so we're gonna make a rip of Nosferatu where it just has that kind of music, and there's you know like the Nosferatu shadows, but then like bam, bucka 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 bam, bam, just like happening. Uh, so then after that, I guess I would do the Frank Langella Dracula because yeah, as we talked about, it's kind of the the sellout Dracula. Yeah. These are we're getting kind of lower in the list, but it's still like it's a it's a modern movie. It keeps your attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, Frank Langella is it's not my favorite take on Dracula, but it is at least a take on Dracula. Yeah. Um, it is a take, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And who then, directed that one again? Oh God, who did direct that one? I just had it up too. Jesus. Uh, hang on, folks. Uh, John Badham. Okay, yeah, John John Badham, yeah, and it's got you got Donald Pleasance in there. You got oh, Lawrence Olivier. You got some some good quality folk. Uh, after that, I guess I'd put the, this is probably where I'm going to be kind of controversial. I'm going to put the Francis Ford Coppola kind of lower in my list. I'm going to put it after that because it's, it's got some good performances in it, but it's also got some really bad performances in it that kind of take you out of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of weird scenes in it that kind of don't quite fit. And they seem like they're just kind of like ego boosters for the actors. It's kind of long. It's another one that's like hard for you to just like pop on and watch. You have to kind of be in like a mood for it. And it also kind of, for something that claims to be like as close to the novel of Dracula as it is, it veers so far away still in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like in some of the costumes and stuff are, are interesting, but uh, but I don't know. It's just, it's it's more just like a taste preference for me than anything. It's mm-hmm. a it's a fine movie, I think, but it's, and then. Yeah, that being the first one that I ever watched, I think it holds a special place in my heart a little bit, but. Yeah. You know, it is, it also is pretty over the top and surreal and weird. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, uh, yeah, definitely like the look of Dracula is iconic. You know, you got the butt hair in there. You've mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, him and his red dragon armor at the beginning. But like as a film, I don't know if I would. And, you know, you got some, you've got some lesser performances in there. You've got like Billy Campbell, the rocketeer shows up as like the, right. <laughs> the Texan cowboy character and Carrie Yules and like for every, you know, Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, that movie, which. Anthony Hopkins is almost a little too over the top in that too. He's he's a little hammy. Yeah, he's very hammy. Uh, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of weird acting choices made. Let's a just lot. say. And now even more controversial, I'm gonna put at I think this might be the very bottom of my list. Uh, the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Wow. It's so boring. <laughs> like it's. There's a couple cool scenes where Bela Lugosi gets to do his Dracula thing, but for every like one of those scenes, there's like so many scenes of just like white people in a room just You're like talking that to each other. All the way at the bottom. I'm gonna put it at the bottom. That's yeah. fascinating. All right. It's like I just yeah like I it, it, that same story was told a lot better in Dracula Dead and Loving It because it's it was, but I don't know. I think 
that the Bela Lugosi one contributed so much to like pop culture. I think it's, I, it's I think it's worth watching. I definitely yeah. think everyone should watch it. And it is, a, and, and again, like we're ranking these Dracula movies and there's kind of like different criteria I'm judging them on. Mm-hmm. I'm judging them kind of on my entertainment value. Like if I, if you yeah. told me to like sit down and like pop on a Dracula that I'd want to watch, that's like, that's what my list is based off of. Okay. So and it's Dracula like, Dead and Loving It would be at the very top. That would be like at the very top, yeah. And then, you know, like in kind of my guilty pleasure enjoyment of like the Jack Palance one kind of weighed into it. But there's, but yeah, there's like a, there's a couple of cool scenes in like the Bela Lugosi Dracula one. But like, and, and it's worth watching because again, yeah, for the pop cultural influence, it's mm-hmm. worth watching uh, because, you know, like it's, you know, there's so much that's kind of come from it. But it's, uh, you know, it's. It's like Casablanca, you know, everyone should watch Casablanca, I feel like, once in their life to appreciate it as, a, you know, like a, a film kind of, uh, you know, cultural touchstone. Yeah. But, like, no one's just like, I've had a rough day at work. You know what I want to sit down and watch? Casablanca. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's very dated. It's a, you know, it's a movie made in 1931. It feels very much like a play that's being filmed. People kind of just, like, wander onto sets and wander off, and yeah. all the action takes place off camera. Like, everyone's yeah. bit off camera. Like, all the, you know, Renfield has that monologue where he sees Dracula become rats, but you just hear him say it, and it's... Yeah. So those are a lot of my issues, even though, of course, Bela Lugosi is, like, the end-all, be-all Dracula, yeah, probably. For sure. So, yeah. Which, speaking of the end-all, be-all Dracula, we've kind of ranked our movies, but who would, if you had to pick a Dracula who of the Draculas we've watched, that's like your Dracula, but you think does a definitive job of playing Dracula, who do you think? Jack Palance. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, hey, that's no, valid. No, I think, um, I would say, like, if I was going to, like, open up a door that said Dracula on it, like, who I would expect to see yeah. behind that door, I think it would be Christopher Lee. Oh, interesting. And I don't know if that's just because I remember seeing, like, I don't, I don't think I've even watched those movies very much, but just like, you know, as a kid, like always going to the video store and I'd always immediately go to the horror section. Like there were a ton of the Dracula movies with Christopher Lee starring them, starring in them, like on the box and everything. So I think it just kind of like, it's glued in my head. Yeah. Like that image of him. Yeah. Well that, that's he, of the ones that like kind of, of the, the, like of the Dracula images that get used a lot kind of pop culturally, he is kind of like the second most used one, I think. Because yeah. like the most used, of course, is probably the Bela Lugosi one. But the the gray templed kind of Dracula is you see that a lot kind of, you know, like those like uh, like those flannel like wall clings, you know, that you like <laughs> see at the Halloween store that you put on like the wall of your second grade classroom. And, you know, and those yeah. kind of like decorations and stuff. So it's yeah, like he's definitely kind of seeped into our pop culture. And I could I could see that. Yeah. I, I think I have to go with even though the Bela Lugosi Dracula is my least favorite of the movies, his portrayal of Dracula, I still think is number one. And I mean, and part of that probably comes from my childhood, too, where I remember because, again, like I got into like Abbott and Costello and stuff like that. And then, you know, like I found like the radio show episode where Bela Lugosi was on that. And you start yeah. watching like. Because he would, like, just show up as Dracula, like, on, like, old, like, 50s TV shows. And I would, like, find, like, some of those. Like, you know when you watch, like, Ed Wood and he just, like, shows up on that variety show yeah. at one point And he, like, yeah. kind of loses his mind. Yeah. Like, he, he would do stuff like that. And that he was... so sad, that scene. Oh, he has, like, I am the Count. And then they just, like, close the <laughs> yeah. curtain real fast. Uh, like, I, I don't... I didn't see any of those where he like messed up that bad, but he would do like little spots like that. So he was kind of like, he, he lived Dracula. You could mm-hmm. tell, like, even though I think he probably kind of resented the role, like a little bit that it kind of typecast and limited him. Like he really cared about that role. He was buried in that costume. Mm-hmm. Like he, 
Was he, he really? He really was. Wow. He was buried in, in that Dracula costume. There are pictures <laughs> of him, if you look it up, like from his open casket funeral of him in the costume. Oh, my God. So, uh, so yeah, he, he is Dracula, I think. Yeah. But what about some of the other characters? Like, when you think of Renfield, who would you Tom say Waits. is the, the Tom Waits Renfield? That's interesting. Yeah, well, because I think that that was the movie, you know, when that came out, the Bram Stoker's Dracula was like very much like I was like only nine or ten, but um, I think that's when I started to like first recognize the supporting characters and not just focus on Count Dracula or Jonathan Harker. So with that movie, I mean Renfield is pretty prominently featured throughout. So I was like, oh, so that's what this character is yeah. all about. And then you know, obviously you go back and watch other adaptations, and Renfield's always in like represented in some way. Yeah, um, yeah, he's like. But I always associate Tom Waits with Renfield, and vice versa. That is interesting. Like he he does do a good job as Renfield. I think what kind of takes me out of his Renfield portrayal is that like. That movie has all the weird costumes in it, but like they almost get a little too weird with him. You're like, he's got all this like weird metal shit all over his arms, and you're just like, what, why, why? Um, so yeah, yeah, either I, him or the uh, Werner Herzog. The Werner Herzog guy, yeah. I think, is my number one. Then probably Peter McNichol from yeah, Peter <laughs> Dracula McNichol's Dead and Loving too. It. Yeah. Um, definitely the worst Renfield is the one from the the Frank Langella one. The, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like oh no, I do. Yeah, he's at the. He kind yeah, he kind of just yeah. like he, get that weird sanitarium that looks like it's like Arkham Asylum yeah, from just, like the Batman movies. Running around wild. Yeah, that's. I don't know. Who would you say is the worst Dracula? If you had to pick one, worst Dracula. Um. <laughs> I want to say Jack Palance, but I know you're going to get upset at that. I think he can simultaneously be the worst he and just, the best Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> like, he just doesn't really do anything with it. He just kind of stares. No, he, he's definitely the worst Dracula. He's he's entertaining to watch because he's just obviously like over it and maybe drunk during <laughs> the filming. But like, yeah, he's he doesn't do a, a great job. Yeah. I would I'm looking through here and trying to see if there's any others that just like really strike me as just like not doing it for me, but. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I have to give it to, to Jack Palance. It's kind of weird how like one of my favorite movies can have one of the worst Draculas and how one of my least favorite movies can have what I think one of the better Draculas. I mean, honestly, I really like the Gary Oldman Dracula. Oh, yeah, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is, I think, the best performance in the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula mm-hmm. movie. He's no, that's also pretty over the top, too. He, he, it is pretty. It's over the top, but it feels earned because he's, you know, like a, a weird kind of eccentric lord. But, yeah, there is that part where he, like, pulls the, pulls sword, the sword out and he, like, yeah. whips it around Keanu Reeves and stuff. Uh, yeah. Keanu Reeves' best Jonathan Harker. Oh, God. No, I'm just He's grown. I actually, I do think Stephen Weber is probably the best Jonathan Harker. I, I, I'd agree with that. All right, best uh, Lucy. Best Lucy. Oh my God. Um, I just keep being tempted to want to say Dracula doesn't love me really. I think the Francis Ford Coppola Lucy is interesting. Yeah, especially when she shows her... up in that costume at the end with the weird head thing, and she's kind of walking down the stairs weird. And yeah, actually, out of all the adaptations, I think that movie gets that whole plot line. It does the, the Lucy the stuff the faithful. best, the yeah. most accurately. With all definitely. Like, her suitors and everything. And, totally. Uh, her being the first victim of Dracula once he arrives and everything. Yeah. I agree 100% with that. Um, so, yeah, are there any other like interesting characters that I don't know? Best Mina. 
I mean, I love Winona Ryder. Winona so. Ryder is good, and she is probably the closest to to book Mina, yeah. where it's like an actual like protagonist in the book who, even though is kind of under Dracula's influence, kind of is still helping the heroes, isn't like a bad guy. I don't like, there's like two movies we watched where like Mina was like kind of secretly kind of like in it with yeah, Dracula yeah, toward yeah. the end. I didn't like that. Yeah, I don't like that turn either. Um, so yeah, so I, I would say Winona Ryder's a good Mina. Um, and uh, Mina Harker's in another character in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes, like, I forgot like a, about that. Oh my God. She's like a badass vampire hunter. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Does does Lucy show up in that too? I can't she remember. She might, I don't know. I haven't read. I read all the books like a long time ago. Um, yeah, I never saw the movie. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's another. Said that the movie is just absolutely. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I don't really remember what happens in it, which should tell you something. But it's fine. I mean that that whole story is basically just all public domain characters. Yeah, I do like that. That's the movie that finally made Sean Connery just give up on acting. Yeah, he's uh, not been in a movie since then. Because like he turned down Lord of the Rings and the Matrix because he didn't understand because oh, he's just yeah. like old and he just like didn't get them. So he like he was offered League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, thinking he's like, oh, I don't understand this, so it's gonna be like a huge hit. And then that flopped too. He's just like, I give up, and then he just like <laughs> went off into the the sunset. Um, okay, so yeah, we talked about um, all that kind of stuff. I guess. Do you want to talk a little bit about because we've? I don't want this to end. Uh, <laughs> We've talked about, like, you know, our favorites of things. If you had to make your version of Dracula, how is there anything that you would do differently that you haven't seen done yet that you would try to do closer to the book? Um, is there anything that maybe, like... Actually, let me rephrase this in a better way. Um, like, I'm trying to think of, like... I guess, what do you think is the best version of, like, the Dracula story? Because we've read Dracula the book, and we've seen all these different movie versions of Dracula now. What do you think is the the best way that we've to? What do you think is the best kind of telling of the Dracula story? I don't know. I like. I mean, we've discussed it a few times, just like sort of like the three part structure. So like our three act structure, I guess, where it's like Act One is, and a lot of them kind of skip over the boat section, which is. But like Act One is Jonathan Harker or yeah. Redfield showing up at his castle. Act Two is him traveling from. Transylvania to London and act three is him wreaking havoc in London. Um, Okay. So if you had to do like your own adaptation of Dracula, then like if you had to like make like a movie or even like a miniseries or something, that would be how you choose to do it. Yeah. And I would, I would spend like an equal amount of time on each, in each part because the boat scene in the book is really cool. It's kind of like a slasher movie and like a lot of, a lot of the movie adaptations just don't, even bother getting into it yeah i would it's like a lot of cool things can be expanded from that yeah i would almost like to see kind of like a netflix series where it's like yeah you take like a whole kind of like season's worth of shows and you kind of like dole it out slowly just like stretch it kind of play up almost the kind of found footage angle that we we like to talk about yeah there's room to do that right though we haven't seen the jonathan reese mayor show about dracula yet which is apparently a show that does that is it worth watching i i haven't seen it i know nothing about it (laughs) so okay so we've been through i guess that's everything we've that's our our podcast so now we're here at the very end do you have any final thoughts chris gersbeck we've been through dracula the book we've been through all these dracula adaptations do you feel like you're you've learned something like that you've had some kind of new insight about the character since we began this journey do you feel like you're more of an expert now than you were before (laughs) um 
How do you it's, feel having gone through this journey is what I'm asking. <laughs> well, I definitely have enjoyed it. And like, I could just keep watching Dracula adaptations. Like I don't get sick of it. So that I think says something about the character. Oh, that's good. Um, and the story and everything. But um, I don't know. Like I definitely, definitely learned a lot about the character. That said, I feel like I've always known a lot about this character. Which is kind of like yeah. the the whole point of this. Which is like show. the whole point of it, yeah. That's yeah. like just so embedded in our DNA, yeah. where it's like it, it felt like we were doing a lot of research for this at times, but at the same time, it felt like we didn't have to do a lot of research, yeah. Because we get to certain points, both of us, and I think there are different times where there's just one. It's like, oh, I know that one really well. I don't yeah. even need to like. Because there were some of these episodes, I think when you listen to them, you can tell which are the ones where we really knew the movies and which ones we were kind of just exploring for the first time. And we yeah. were almost kind of going through them academically and had to watch them like they were homework, <laughs> kind <laughs> of. And like the the Dan Curtis, Frank Langella one, I think, kind of starts dragging because both of those are kind of middle of the road and we weren't like yeah. the biggest fans of them. But like, but yeah, it is just like so kind of embedded kind of into our DNA that like, yeah, like the Dracula Dead and Loving It one, I didn't have to like watch it all. You know, like the... Uh, like the the Bela Lugosi Dracula, I didn't really have to do a whole lot of reading up on. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just so kind of it's just there in the air, man. To quote the insane <laughs> clown posse. Um, but yeah, like I I I would agree with with all of what you said. Like I I don't know if I could just keep watching. I'm definitely gonna take a little break from watching Dracula adaptations, yeah. having been through this to to watch some other things and enjoy my life. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not that this hasn't been enjoyable, but, uh, but no, yeah, like after, after like a little gap, I, I could definitely go back to, to watching Dracula stuff. And I, I definitely feel like I've gotten kind of more insight into the character and, you know, like it's, yeah. and it's, it's interesting seeing something progress throughout time, almost kind of like in real time, the way we did, where it's like, we almost kind of like watched it be born, like in a book and then yeah. kind of in real time went through all the movies and it's cool to see something like that happen. I don't know how much of an expert I feel like because as this went along and as we said, we've been recording this podcast for a long time. It is all starting to blur in my head kind yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there is that, but, uh, but like, I don't, I like, don't get sick of it. Like I still feel like, a like the, the definitive film adaptation of Dracula like, could still come out, you know? Oh, definitely. I don't feel like it's ever, it's not like a sacred thing. Like you can't like remake the Godfather or something. Yeah. It's like, this could definitely be remade and it could probably still be really entertaining. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I would agree with that. Cause yeah, there's, there, there definitely seems to be like some points in this where you're just like, Oh my God, how many times can you tell the same story over and mm-hmm. over again? Especially when you get toward like the Frank Langella one. But like, it seems like every generation finds a way to like, you know, put really? a new twist on it or to, you know, have yeah. a, a new kind of spin on the the things that happen so it's it's yeah dracula is just one of those things that people don't get tired of adapting and, and playing with and, i'd like uh, to see like a paul thomas anderson dracula Ooh, yeah that would be good <laughs> it's like really weird and ethereal and get get ari aster to make a dracula movie oh, like oh my god that'd be great well there's two so there's two nosferatus in the in the in the works right now oh yeah isn't he doing one of those is he i think you're right um but are there any dra- are, are there any straight Dracula adaptations coming out? I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, there. There almost definitely is, but as far as like a, a big one, I'm not. Yeah. Sure. Um. But yeah, so that's that's been our our journey through the the myriad of adaptations of Dracula, and and 
Let me try to say that again in a way that doesn't sound make me sound like an idiot. So there you have it, folks. That's been our journey through the pop cultural legacy of Bram Stoker's novel Dracula. We've been through it from 1897 all the way up to a couple years ago. We've talked about all sorts of adaptations. We've talked about some weird spinoffs. We've talked about our personal experiences with it. Mm-hmm. We've compared... Uh, Dracula to Jason Mraz and Van Helsing to Guile, and we've uh, brought up Keanu Reeves' bad accent, and oh. uh, we've. I wonder how he's many grown times, young. Yeah, I wonder how many times we've said he's grown young. It's show. been a lot. We've called Jonathan Harker a dumbass in general a lot. Uh, yeah, called Renfield a weirdo. There's been episodes where we've been different variations of inebriated and sick, and. Uh, it's a, it's been quite the journey we've taken. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you may or may not hear me and Chris in the future do another one of these little <laughs> podcast mini series about something different where we break down and kind of explore something like this in detail. Yeah. Uh, but if you've enjoyed our podcast, yeah, please uh, subscribe to us. Leave nice comments. Uh, yeah. And this is you know just gonna stay up. Yeah, we're just gonna leave this up. Yeah, and uh, you know at Halloween time, uh, you know if you want you know, something to listen to in your office that's mm. <laughs> kind of halloween You can put this on. Or if you're a real cool high school teacher and want to put two mumbly men who talk about something kind of academically <laughs> on for your class because you're hungover and you don't want to talk to them that day, yeah, uh, we, we can do that too. We're happy to help. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's been that's been our time. So thank you so much for taking this journey with us. We're so grateful for you for for listening with us, and thank you again to my wonderful co-host Chris Gersbeck, who's been doing all the audio editing for all these, and he's been uh, a wonderful co-host and a scholar and a gentleman and an enjoyable person well, to talk you. about Dracula well, with. Thank you to you for being so well researched and uh, <laughs> doing I, the most basic of Wikipedia. Yeah, and but you know. <laughs> Let's, let's be real. Most of this podcast is me going, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's, it's been fun, and we should totally do yeah, this again. Absolutely. All right. Well, All thank right. you so much for listening, folks. Uh, from Hacks on Drac, we'd like to say good evening. Good evening.